Hello and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. Uh, and in this episode, we'll talk about They Do It With Mirrors uh, by Heinlein, which was published in Popular Detective in 1947. Uh, so this is a little bit of an odd uh, man out story. We have seen other like non-science fiction stories in this period, um, like the No Flags Flying one we just looked at, for instance. And then um, no, Waters for Washington, which we're going to look at next, is actually a, you know, marginally science fiction story um this one though straight up detective story published in a detective magazine um and you know it's it's got a couple interesting things in here i mean i don't think it really stands out as a super significant uh heinlein story um but it's um but yeah, there's there's some Heinlein themes in in here. So the, the basic story is we have our our main character who who becomes our detective. Uh, oh, first it's called they do it with mirrors, an Edison Hill crime case. So even though he didn't write more of these, as far as I know, he was kind of you know doing this trope of a series of stories based around a detective. Um, um, but this story, so we got Edison Hill. He's uh, like a ghost writer, and he spends a lot of time with. Uh, in, in in the police station and at city hall and local politics doing doing the ghostwriting stuff so he he has contacts with the police that's how he kind of gets mixed up in this this trial also he he falls for a girl um and that that kind of leads him into the the story as well um so the 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 interesting stuff i think is like in the beginning of the story actually where there's a discussion about um sex and art and pornography and um and and how it's actually defined in in a culture that's that's still very much involved in censorship remember the the naked lunch trial that ended um literary censorship was like not till 1963 and um there was you know movie codes i don't think those were released until well after after this um where you got the rating system so there's a lot of censorship around and of course uh you know places were commonly you know people were shut down for for this you know kind of behavior um uh, now this is somewhat based on a real story because he he actually says that in 45 uh, a magic mirror like this described in this story existed in in a similar bar. He says the rest is fiction, but the technology here is, you know, was being done. So it's it's kind of like a the bar they're at. It's it's essentially like a strip bar, but it frames itself as art by doing stories and acting and and having like drama on the stage um so that's how it kind of gets behind the censors and i, I think Heinlein makes an interesting point here that like everyone sort of likes it and appreciates it even though it's it's technically crossing a line you even have cops going there posing as police involved with uh you know involved with uh you know keeping an eye on on the, the behavior here to make sure it doesn't you know cross that line but they're just there to see the girls too um so 
you know, that's a standard noir trope in American, you know, American crime fiction is that like everyone is corrupt, right? It's 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 in the DNA of the whole um, genre. And and I think Heinlein does a pretty good job of like leading into that. I, I haven't read as much crime fiction. I, I've read some, but uh, not a significant amount. Um, but it does seem right to me. Maybe someday I'll, I'll, I'll dig deeper into the crime fiction uh, through the Library of America series on, on, on some of those crime writers. Uh, there's quite a lot, actually. Um, but uh, anyways, we have two uh, performers here that are, that are focused at the Magic Mirror uh, presentation of the, it's called the Joy Club is the name of the bar. The Magic Mirror is the name of the act. Um, and we have Estelle, who's, who's like a bleach blonde character and we have Hazel who is the drop-dead gorgeous brunette of course we need that uh, in a story like this and they're both these nude performers uh, that act out different scenes now one of the most important is the sacrifice to the sun where uh, a, f a dagger is used to to make a like a fake death it's like a it's a, like a prop dagger right um, but you know you, you stab them under the armpit or whatever so they don't really die but it's still like a dangerous weapon it's not like one of those toy ones you get where the it, 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 you know, the, the blade just disappears into the handle. Um, so that's, that's an important plot for the mystery. But um, really what I want to focus on here at this point is, the, is how open Heinlein is about this desire to see this, the market for it, and the normalcy of, of that, um, of, of this kind of desire to, to see beautiful women um, and, and how everyone's sort of in on it. So in many ways, this story, if it has a theme outside of just the mystery story itself, it's that the, the, the futility and the uselessness of, of censorship and how once you have the censors up, all you need to do is like reframe it to get around it, right? You just relabel it art, even if you're doing the same kind of thing. Um, and that the line between like pornography and art is, is kind of not really even there and if it is there it's kind of made up um and this i think of course is something that's on heinlein's mind because he is and certainly by stranger in a strange land and i think already we see a lot of evidence that in this work from the 1940s up to this point is that he very much is uh is is on the vanguard of the american sexual revolution at least from a literary standpoint he was into nudism was into kind of swinging uh his uh, sexual libertarianism is such a major theme in his work um, runs throughout it I was just reading a, a book called make love not war uh, history of the sexual revolution and there's a point there about the moon is a harsh mistress which which the author there argues that he's just sort of presenting the the line marriages they're not named in the book as line marriages but that's what he's talking about group marriages as just a practical response to life on on the moon where you have fewer women but actually, I think in the book itself, it's presented as like a viable, good alternative to, to monogamous marriage. And in that sense, that book is on the forefront of some of the arguments being made by the sexual revolution at the time. Um, and, and I think this is, fits into another aspect of the sexual revolution struggles, which was the war, the battle, the successful battle against state censorship of, of, of literature, of art, later on films, and eventually like pretty much anything, right? The, the, there's very little now that the state can legally censor. Um, and what's left is good that they censor it, right? Um, for, for the most part. But there's a, that was a struggle, 
right? And, and I think we need to acknowledge that, that Heinlein is, at least in his own small way, playing a role in being, having a part in that struggle. I guess the, the other theme, this, that's the main one, but, the, but another theme that I think is kind of significant in this story is, is technology. And our detective is able to solve the crime because he, he understands the device, the, the mirror device, the technology of it, how it works. And he's able to break that out, even though he gets like it wrong at first, but it ends up there's a twist. And it's right. That, that's pretty common in these types of stories, too. Um, now, besides, I think, the sexual politics of this, there's there's very little that I see as, as, as original here. Um, all the tropes are, are, are kind of there. But basically, uh, he's at the watching the show. He meets both of the performers, Estelle and and Hazel, falling for Hazel, of course. Um, and then later in the night, while there's a couple cops there, there's a murder, and the murder is that of Estelle. Um, and and she's like murdered back in her dressing room. And we learn that the mirrors allow like the performer to be on stage while not actually being on stage. So that, that's basically uh, the, the main device here. And that's what's going to allow like the murderer to be in two places at once. And it's also going to allow for like uh, a red herring about like maybe someone else was involved, someone else who knew the device, someone else who maybe, uh, maybe had a motive for it. Um, so, the investigation commences in, in the normal way. You got the police there and you got our, our detective looking into it, hoping to protect Hazel because he quickly deduces that maybe Estelle wasn't the real target because there was a swap in the axe, a time change in the axe. So the wrong person would have been in the, in the, in the dressing room at the time um, or the wrong person would have been on stage or whatever. So maybe Hazel is actually the target. And so our character has to like defend her and protect her um, and this is uh, what leads him eventually to her room uh, where she lives in this like little shack with one of the pull-down beds and a, and we get it we get a nice little uh, sexually charged scene where she strips off her clothes and says I sleep in the nude you can sleep here if you want I, I can't change in the bathroom it's too small I'm just gonna change here in front of you change out of her clothes anyways um, when she's naked that's when he kind of comes to the conclusion that she's the murderer because she understood the the time change she understood the device and how that worked and so she's the prime suspect at that point and there's a a fight uh where she's trying to escape and eventually she confesses that she didn't do it but it was actually uh jack now jack's like the runner the owner of this place he's the he makes the announcements and all that so uh, she it confesses that he's the one who did it. He also has the knowledge and the motive, um, and and that that's uh, and then they confront Jack and, and he's forced to confess and and that's it. That's he, he did it out of out of jealousy and anger over personal things that was happening with Estelle. So everything's kind of wrapped up nicely. There's no real threat to Hazel at this point, which uh, makes for uh, a, a conventional ending where they end up in the sack together, uh, our detective and the and the beautiful brunette. Um, that's all. It, it's a lock room mystery using the technology of mirrors, essentially, the, where the dressing room becomes the lock room. But uh, the use of the mirrors allows for the, the, the projection of, of the person on the stage so they can be in two places at once and, and also allow the, the murderer to have an alibi um, available to him. So, 
Is that it? That, that's kind of all there is to really say about this story. Um, it's it's enjoyable, but it's it's not that important to read. It's that's not science fiction. It's it's not Heinlein at his best. It's him trying consciously to flip genres. He admits as much in an introduction to this in the collection that this is a part of, um, where he he says like you know he kind of admits he's not that good of it. He says he's no threat to Raymond Chandler. He also says, you know, the quote, crime does not pay enough, that there wasn't enough money in this to really do it. Um, but he wanted to try. And, and I do want to mention that Heinlein is venturing out in this period of his career after World War II, where he's writing. Uh, he's wrote novels before, but now he's writing novels published as, as books in the market, the juvenile. He's writing for a juvenile audience. He's, uh, those stories are quite different from stuff he wrote in Astounding. He's got... Uh, He's trying different genres here, like he's got a little bit of military fiction. He has uh, the stuff in the Saturday Evening Poach, which of course fits into his world, uh, his broader world, the future history stories, but also they're, they're thematically and narratively different than the stuff he was writing for Astounding. Uh, they're more modest tales. They're actually pretty good sci-fi because of he's kind of liberated from, from Chandler and, and, that, and, and, and his desires and his 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 ideology to put it frankly so um and this is just him trying something else i think we're all happy that he doesn't make he doesn't like switch over to writing detective fiction and he kind of does see this as a, as a bit of a failed experiment but is it worth reading um i think only in the sense that it is trying to make some what i think is uh, significant you know radical politics on on sexuality and censorship and 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 how the, the ultimate failure of any effort to kind of censors people's people's desires and, and the and the open and honest and non-shameful uh, attitude towards sexuality by our, our characters hazel our our narrator uh the even you know and everyone at this club is of course celebrating sexuality and i think that's great um and I think that's one of the things we have, uh, that's really attractive to me about Heinlein is his, is his sexual politics. Uh, even though his other politics can be annoying at times, they don't really come off in this, uh, this book. The closest we get is maybe the fact that our narrator is a bit of a, a, bit, a, bit of a tech bro. He, he's got an eye for technology. He's able to, to uh, there's a lot of long passages about how the mirrors work and the technology behind it and the electricity and all that. And it's relevant for the story if you really want to get into it, but it's, it's not particularly interesting to talk about in a format like this. So I think that's all I'm going to say about this. Um, so uh, next episode, I will talk about Waters for Washing. Uh, I got the audiobook version. I was uh, I do have an EPUB, but I, I don't have an EPUB reader on this computer. So uh, I will probably just listen to the audiobook version and work off of that. And, and, and that'll be next. There'll probably be a short episode because it's a really short story. And, um, but that will wrap up 1947. Finally, it feels like we've been stuck here for a while. 1947 has been dragging on for a long time in this podcast, but we are able going to be able to move on to Space Cadet um, very, very shortly. Um, and that's, that's great. Things are going to speed up. We're going we're gonna to be sticking on the novels a lot more. I, I find the stories do... Um, slow me down because sometimes it's just like you know what am i going to say about these some of these some of these short stories but as there's fewer and they're more significant i think uh we'll, we'll all be happier i'm really excited to get into the novels really deep so we're not we're not out of the woods yet with stories but we're um 
we'll, we'll get there shortly. They'll, they'll, they'll be less common. Looking forward. So uh, that's it for now. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.